Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Stadium Journey podcast. It feels like it's been a little while since we all got together, but thanks for joining us tonight. So uh, check out our website, stadiumjourney.com. We are the world leader in sports travel information. We have climbed over 2,500 stadium reviews from all around the world on the site. Check out the website. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, threads. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Like, share, and follow. You know the drill. To find other episodes of the Stadium Journey podcast, simply pick up your cell phone or your laptop, type in HIAC Talk Radio Network or wherever you look for your favorite podcast, and we'll be there too. If you would rather watch a video simulcast of the podcast, check out Stadium Journey's YouTube page. And if you want to be part of our studio audience, join us every other Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, live on danlaw.tv. So let's get back into introducing the crew, because that's what us public address announcers do, right? Dave Cotney's here. Follow him online at ProFan9. Mark Viquez, the ballpark hunter, is here. The above-average comedian Dan Calachico's here. Follow him at DanLaw83. And I'm Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. The RI stands for really interesting. I forgot about my uh, intro. I didn't look at the camera. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, all right, so a few shows ago, someone mentioned that, I think it was you, Dave, that you're going to miss the silly season in minor league baseball because the semi-annual franchise shuffle might just be a thing of the past because the Major League Baseball is calling all the shots these days. That that was an episode currently out of Obstructive Views, possibly oh. our Oklahoma City Dodgers episode, which is quite excellent yeah. and should be viewed by all. Or as we say in New England, wicked awesome. Well, anyway... Independent baseball said, oh, yeah, hold my beer. And, uh, you know, they're, they're shaking things up left and right. We got franchises mm-hmm. disappearing, taking hiatuses. But the first city to start shaking things up was Brockton, Massachusetts, where the ownership group of the summer collegiate Brockton Rocks of the Futures League announced they'll be operating a new team in the Frontier League out of Campanelli Stadium. And tonight we're happy to be joined by Brett Shavs. He is the director of communications I hope I got your title right, Brett, for the Rocks <laughs> and the new pro team, which as of the moment is called New England Baseball, I believe. It's right it's now, it's just called New England Professional Baseball, but there is there's more information coming on that. We're going to get into it. All right. Nice. So welcome, Brett. Thanks for joining us tonight. So we got great timing here because uh, we're recording this on uh, what day? October 10th. The, fr- the Frontier League schedule just came out just a few hours ago. It did. And uh there's a lot of exciting things. Obviously, for those of you who know the Futures League, we don't normally start until May 26th, 27th, around that range. This pro team is going to be starting right up May 10th. It is pro ball season through and through. We start May 10th. We go all the way until midway through September, a couple weeks for playoffs, and then it's done. It's a full pro season. I don't think Brockton has seen this since 2011 which is the last time we had a semi-pro team operate out of Campanelli Stadium. And I believe that was in the Northern League. So That was the Can-Am League, Brett. The Can-Am League. Oh, yeah. My history so you, you is still a You may work for the Rocks, but I, I think I got the history on you. <laughs> I, I will fully take you up on that. You definitely have got the history on me. But it's the last time we've had someone there, or at least a pro team there. Well, and... here we are. And... What's that? <laughs> I don't know what that was. So, yeah, so that's exciting. So a big surprise, at least to me, 
And um, anybody who's been listening to the podcast knows I also work for The Rock. So um, was that in addition to taking on the uh, the pro team, you're going to keep the summer collegiate team. So two teams out of Campanelli Stadium all summer. That is correct. So the uh, the goal is to obviously have both schedules working at the same time. And with everything now set in stone, we are set to have 84 games of baseball with concerts, with conventions. We're talking over 100 events in Campanelli Stadium this year. That's are, we, almost, are we opening up the Shaw Center again? We are opening up the Shaw Center starting next summer in 2024. That is the goal. Nice. So this whole operation will be fully functional and back in its heyday in July. And, uh, yeah, it's funny because I have just been going back and forth with somebody who uh, was – they expressed their shock and disbelief that uh, Campanelli Stadium was going to host a pro team again because, in his opinion, it was a shithole. And there's no way that it could be a, a host of a pro team. So why don't you let our listeners know what all has gone into Campanelli Stadium just over the last two years? Well, we'll we'll, we'll preface this. Uh, the stadium in the last decade has definitely been under um, a lot of bad hands, and you know there were there was some mismanagement of the actual venue itself and and the rocks itself, but. You know, with the leadership now with Liberty and our owner, Brian Kahn, you know, and the whole team, we, we've we really put a lot of TLC into the stadium. I mean, the city has been fully cooperative in, in all the renovations. We've put multiple millions of dollars into renovating the field and getting it cared for every day, even in the offseason. Uh, all the offices were fully renovated. All the clubhouses were fully renovated. This this offseason, I should say, excuse me, we're fully renovating the rest of the suites with all sorts of coats of paint. We are fully renovating the press boxes. A concept that we have is also demoing one of the press rooms and turning it into a bar area on the suite level. That is a potential for this year. You um, can put my microphone right there, Brett. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Nice little Sam Adams on the side. but uh, I can uh, I can do the PA Harry Carey style. Hey, hey <laughs> Harry Carey was a legendary announcer, so you'd be carrying some legendary footsteps, but... <laughs> We, we have poured in a lot of effort in the stadium. It is still continuing to improve and grow. Uh, there are a lot of big changes, especially coming this offseason to get ready for the pro ball team and for New England ball. So stay tuned. Uh, okay. So another thing uh, that's going on that we, I guess we can announce here is I love to have some breaking news on the podcast for the, you know, the 20 people who watch this. Um, I'm kidding. 21. <laughs> um. We, like we mentioned in the in the intro, the team does not have a name yet, but that is going to change. It is. We are actually hosting a name the team contest for the New England professional baseball team. Uh, it's going to be live on the website for New England professional baseball, so you can look them up, find our website. Um, we ask for obviously your uh, information, you know, and then the suggested team name, and then just provide a brief background or storyline as to why you chose the name. So, for example, if you wanted to name the team the New England Boxers, tell us why you wanted to name us the New England Boxers. Is it because of the city's history of champions? You know, is it because you just love boxers and that's just the dog you want on our team? You know, you can list the storyline, list the suggested name, and then the winner, the winner of the contest will receive a full season worth of tickets. So a season ticket package for the entire year, 
plus benefits. That is the prize for the name of the team contest. And then is there a date starting now? now, Is there a date where you hope to have uh, all the tallies in and make an announcement? We're hoping by middle of December, we're hoping towards, you know, by Christmas time, we have the full name. We're ready to completely rebrand this thing for the new year. Um, But obviously starting now, we're taking as many suggestions as possible. Yeah, and, and I've been following a lot of name the team contests lately. We've seen some crazy, mm. crazy names out there. So I assume yeah. you'll you'll see the same. And sometimes you have to get a lawyer to make sure these are not trademarks. So um, we have our yeah. representation ready to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, you have to. You have to. So yeah, hopefully you get you guys have a knockout. That the name. <laughs> that's that's the goal. I have a very that's strong the feeling that we're going to get a lot of suggestions related to the rocks and related to the boxing history of Brockton. Um, but I think to the people who are paying attention to the New England name, we'll try to go outside the box and name it New England style instead of just focusing, you know, yeah. Piper and Brockton. That that just reminded me of a story. Are you familiar with the story of when they tried to to uh, rebrand the Boston Patriots? I'm unfamiliar. Yeah, like, they, so when they, they stayed- first when they first were moving to Foxborough, they were not going to be called the Boston Patriots anymore. The first idea, the first they actually were going to go through with this was the Bay State Patriots, yeah. like Mark said. Yes. But then they put it on letterhead and they put it on, um, I don't know if they put it on a, like a helmet or something, but it was the BS, Bay State, BS Patriots. And so that got shot down. And they went with yeah. That sounds like that. what they're being referred to lately as. Well, yeah, they're playing like BS now, but that's that's just a throwback to the 90s. <laughs> we're back to the 80s, too. No, they were good for part of the 80s. They made a Super Bowl. Part of the 80s. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that year they upset the Dolphins. I still can't hey, believe they. Growing, I still growing up. Six and ten was a wonderful year. Yeah. Oh boy, Brockton Rock. So, Dave, you got something to say? So, I, I'm going to ask the. I'm going to go right for the jugular here and ask the tough one. So, go for it. Last season, Brockton averaged less than 800 fans a game. That's because we don't pad our attendance figures. <laughs> that was uh, second last in the in the futures league. So, why is this going to work? Adding a new team. I will say this. We are one of the few teams, as Paul mentioned, that does not pad our attendance numbers. That number that you see on the website does not include suites. It does not include premium ticket pricing. That's strictly general admission and premium seating towards the dugouts and behind home plate. That's the number you see. Um, If you were to include the suites and the premium seating in the lounges and the picnic area, probably close to 1,200 a game, Um, which is still... Not bad, but we want to get that better. I think the main reason why this is going to work is because of two things. One, we're expanding our market to the New England area. The 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 premier, the preface behind naming in New England is because now you're stretching it to the Pawtucket area, the Providence area. You're now going into Northeast Connecticut, where you still have a still, you know, Boston following there. You're now stretching into New Hampshire and the southern parts of that state. You're reaching the central and western mass. You're you're extending the the region, and you know instead of focusing on just a small target market in the futures league with Brockton, you're now expanding to a whole new demographic that you can pull from. You're now also stretching into an audience that hasn't been tapped in almost twelve years. The original Rocks audience, thirty five to four thousand people yeah. a game. I like was they were mention selling the, out almost every day. Yeah, like yeah, the it, team it was a spectacle. Fold. Yeah, the team didn't fold because of. Poor support. 
it folded because of mismanagement. It was it was mismanagement and poor ownership, and and that's why the the team went to the summer league was because it was cheaper and it was easier to manage. Now that we have management that's fully dedicated to making the process work again, I think we can gradually reach that point again to where we're reaching the audience that used to be coming from the Northern League and the Can-Am League and seeing the semi-pro indie ball again and combining that with the rest of our demographic. So how do you sell how do you sell professional baseball as opposed to collegiate baseball? How do you how do you sell it as different from each other or do you? Or it doesn't matter, it's just all baseball here all the time. Well, Obviously, it's baseball all the time. That's a plus. The biggest difference between the two, and this is probably the biggest seller of the Frontier League, excuse me again, it's MLB funded. When someone hears the name Major League Baseball, it jumps off a paper like a cockroach on a Saturday evening. I think the the idea here is we want to try to get an opportunity out there to fans to see baseball that hasn't been touched in so long. And the fact that you now have guys that are under contract that are playing for a league that's MLB funded, that have the chance to make the major leagues with scouts there every day is something that interests a good majority of people. When you have college baseball, yes, there's going to be scouts there, but 98% of the time, they're not professional scouts. They're scouts from Division II, Division I schools that are looking to have these kids transfer out. It's a different style of play, and it's a lot slower of a baseball game than professional. When you're dealing with pro ball, you've got pitch clock, you've got officials that are top-notch, you've got guys that are here to compete every single day instead of a team that's just having a bunch of guys that are looking to develop themselves personally and maybe catch lightning in a bottle. It's two completely styles, different styles of baseball. And I think the pro form is going to bring a more organized, competitive environment. So can I mean, you sell that to the average fan? So the average fan is, you know, baseball is baseball, right? Yep. Yeah. So let's say it this way. You're 25 years old, never really been to baseball. You're looking to get into it for the first time. Right. That's just the standard person you're trying to sell this on. My pitch going to this person is say, hey, we've been building on this for almost five years now. This has been a project that we've been working on for five years. Right. This baseball is something that hasn't been touched in, in quite some time. Right. You look at the Rocks Bay and their history. This place has been sold out. And there's a history here. There's an extensive history here. And we're now moving forward with a project where. You could look at MLB rosters today, and some of those players are now playing for us. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. We are going to have about 13 to 14 guys that have played in the MLB in the last five years. It's just happened with the Frontier League before. There are guys currently on rosters that have played Major League Baseball before. So if you want a bargain deal to go see baseball that's nearly as competitive as minor and professional baseball at MLB level, this is your spot to be. There's history, there's excitement, it's competitive. Those three aspects bunched together, that's your ticket to a quality experience. We're professional baseball at your best price. There's no and, need to spend $80, $90 to a Red Sox game. Okay, well, well that brings well, up a good... Worcester. 
sort yeah, of. Yeah, that that, we'll that brings that brings up a good segue. Yes, you want to go after folks that say, "Hey, you know, what are my options of seeing pro baseball? How much is a ticket to see a, a game of the Frontier League?" Entertainment wise, are are we going to see wacky promotions, unique food items, wine slushies, a beer garden? Uh, we are going to see everything that you just mentioned. You are going to see. Okay. Uh, we're already working on the process of forming a dance team and getting that for almost every game. Our alcohol, beer, wine selection is going to increase with a lot more local brews. We're currently working on a couple deals with some breweries in the area. Uh, I believe Shovel Town's in the mix again. Um, our food menu item with an increased staff is also going to, you know, change with the creativity. Philly cheesesteaks might come in the mix. You know, you're going to see some other food items that are different than your average hot dog, hamburger, chicken tenders, and fries. Um, let's see. What else haven't I touched on? Your ticket margin, instead of paying 40, 50 bucks for a ticket like you normally pay at the Woo Sox or 80 bucks at the Red Sox, you're going to be paying eight to fourteen dollars at the very highest fourteen dollars being premium seating buying home plate and that's for every single game for promotions we're that's why we're having this entire off season with full-time staff we're putting together a promotional schedules so that way people have the opportunity for historical rocks bobblehead nights or hey maybe we put together some more star wars evenings or movies under the stars with our brand new million dollar video board that we just installed this past summer there's endless potential that can come from the stadium and so much of it is untapped because of this the mismanagement the last decade and we're just starting to get back to it now so so that that was the key was mismanagement uh have you seen trying to get back the public's trust or has that been an issue or a concern it's 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 great that you mentioned that and that's that was our biggest goal this Mm -hmm. season and i think we touched on it in a lot of good points Our biggest goal was to win back the trust of not only the public and the perception of the organization, but to win back our sponsors that had left for over a decade because of the problems. We just had a huge meeting with one of our giant sponsors. I think it's Eastern Bank. You know, they hadn't dealt with us in over a decade and they were very worried about some of the, you know, logistics that go into operating a pro team like this. We won them back and they are now one of our big providers and one of our big sponsors going into next season. You know, there's other people that we can say the exact same to. We now have academic partnerships that we've been selling the last few months. And now that we have schools on board, we're getting the perception to the younger generation and see if we can build that demographic and that market up. Um, I think this past year, we've, we've really recuperated a lot and gaining some of the public trust back, but this full season in the frontier league is really going to show how we can win back the majority of people in this market. I think getting the Savannah Bananas was a big feather in the team's cap as well, because uh, we were one of the smallest ballparks that they visited. But yeah, we were yeah, we were. were the smallest ballpark they visited. Uh, we we were over capacity, I believe, officially. We we sold we sold out of four thousand people. We were over capacity at four thousand people, so more than four thousand. Uh, the number I'm not quite sure, but um, you know, obviously, you know, there's things we can improve on concession quality. You know, taking care of our guests in a sold out stadium like that. I'm not anticipating we sell out in the first season alone every game. You know, that's not the expectation. You don't want to set your bar too high. But what I'm saying is that that game definitely showed what we're capable of. And at a stadium of almost 6,000 people, we made it work and we made it happen. We're going to improve, but that experience definitely 
helped prove what our, what our worth is to to people out there. Go for it, Dave. So we're talking about two separate teams that are run by the same organization. Correct. How do you, as an organization, separate the behind the scenes piece? Sure. So obviously it's two different kinds of operations. Um, we're kind of working on some things with the rocks right now to kind of restructure and make that operation a little easier in, in terms of in labor intensivity. Our primary focus right now is to win the pro teams demographic and that, you know, to win and, and build that trust up again and make sure we're building that pro team up to, to be the best of its ability the Rocks, obviously, we want to give a ton of attention to still. These are kids that are developing, and we want to make sure they have a great experience in their collegiate career. So nothing on that end is going to change. Obviously, this past season, statistically, you know, is out the window. We're, we're going to look to change some things with managerial and coaching staff and, you know, make sure that we're building a quality team and a quality operation. But once we start really forming the fundamentals for the pro team, we're really going to start to see that separation between, okay, this is what we need to focus on to build this up first. We know what the rocks are. We know how to operate this. We're going to keep our comfort level there and make sure we're that we're staying at a consistent level with the rocks, but also make sure that yes, this pro team is our primary focus and we are going to put our attention to building that up, putting this out on the market, expanding our demographics, making sure that this team is 120% in it. If that makes sense. No, that does make sense. I mean, you want to make sure people know you're going to be around for the long haul, uh, not just fly by night. Uh, but however, you got the rocks and then you got the new team. Uh, any confusion with, with the public on that? Uh, there is a like little bit of confusion at first. I think the how do i explain this the the public has known the rocks for so long that they just assume oh you're going pro uh going pro so the rocks are going pro that's not really how this is working um the press release does clearly define you know the rocks are staying in the futures league and this team is brand new it's a new franchise we're operating two separate teams in one venue but i think because the public perception is rocks 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 it's going to take some time for them to really separate these two entities and know them as two separate entities. And that's, again, why we have this offseason is to help make sure that we're defying the two clear markets and making sure that both of these teams have their own identity that they can play from in this stadium. Very similar to the Jets and Giants. Two completely different markets, two completely different fan bases, but they operate out of the same venue and kind of have the same goals at the end of the day. Yeah. Mark, well, before, oh, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. You know, I'm just saying, yeah, the Jets and Giants, uh, totally different atmosphere when you go to those games, but same cruddy stadium. Okay, <laughs> That's MetLife. <laughs> you had mentioned, Mark, before we were recording about how this same kind of situation hasn't worked in other places. And we mentioned uh, Frederick, Maryland. Yeah, Frederick, the, Maryland. Uh, the Frederick Keys, who play in the MLB Draft League. And then they had the uh, what Ghost Hounds. The Ghost Hounds in the Atlantic League. And uh, the Ghost, Ghost Hounds lasted one year, and now they're already on a hiatus. So have we been able to take anything away from any lessons well, learned from that team and try to do things a little better in Brockton? Or are we worried that we may uh, fall flat ourselves? 
you know, I think so. Our our GM Nick DeRozier has been involved in a lot of different minor league operations, and he he knows Frederick. We were talking about it the other day, so he has seen a lot of these different scenarios where you're operating multiple teams out of one venue that doesn't work. I'll name a perfect example. The Mystic Schooners and the Norwich Sea Unicorns, they both operate out of Dodd Stadium. There has constantly been conflict at Dodd Stadium between the NECVL and the Futures League, both operating out of Dodd Stadium with the city of Norwich. It, it's, it's a public fact. Um, I'm not, you know, no discredit to them. They make it work. The Norwich Sea Unicorns won the Futures League this year, so huge success to them. But there's always going to be caveats, but we have taken a ton of research and a ton of data from all of the failures that have happened. And we believe we've come up with a good action plan to make sure that we mitigate 99% of those issues. So uh, for the rocks, I mean, obviously the schedules are set up differently for summer college and pro ball pro ball has got a week long homestand. So are the rocks going to end up being on the road for a week and then home for a week? Or are they going to be stuck with morning games to accommodate their schedule? How is that all going to work? There's, there's going to be some hiccups in there. Like for, for example, the rocks are definitely going to have to play a couple more, you know, 11 AM, 10 AM games than, you know, they did last year. I mean, it happened in other teams in the futures league, Worcester Westfield. I believe there's one more. I think Nashua did once they, they first pitch was at 10 AM and then they played one team play a triple header against different teams. Say that one Uh, more time. Didn't one team play a double header against different teams because of all the rain we had this summer? I believe they did. I don't know who it was, but I believe that is true. Um, but the, but the point is to accommodate with the giant juggling of two different summer schedules, especially when they both kick off within a week and a half of each other. There are going to be some instances where one's going to play a morning game and the other one's going to come in at seven o'clock and play. It's almost inevitable. Um, the question is how often is it going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen too often. The times where New England Pro Baseball is home, the Rocks will be on the road. And the good part is, too, is that the Rocks will end at the earliest first week of August, that first weekend in August. I think it's the it'll be the fourth next year. This pro team extends into mid-September. So this is a solid month and a half, two months, where they're going to be the only team in the venue. And for the first week and a half, they're also going to be the only team in the venue. So you're only worrying about three and a half months where, you know, you just got to juggle a few things around. So we'll figure it out. And we're all going to live at Campanelli Stadium for, for the summer, huh? I know. I, I might as well just make a pillow and, and blanket on the, the couch in the coach's office. Uh, why the Frontier League? So our owner, Brian Kahn, also has ownership for the uh, Windy City team in Chicago. He had the rights to open up a brand new franchise due to some things, you know, logistically with it when he signed his ownership contract. And he chose us because he'd already established that demographic and market in New England. So when the Frontier League had the opportunity to open up a new franchise, we were the prime candidates because Brian had that ability to open it up. So now he has two teams in one league who ironically will play each other in the first week of the season. There are some uh, interesting ballparks in the Frontier League. I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. We'll get into that later. Surprised. Oh, there definitely are. Yeah, uh, Crestwood. Any, <laughs> any thoughts on a cross-league doubleheader? A cross-league? So the Rocks would play two so you games. Play the, the, the Rocks 
fire it up at one and the no names at the Frontier five. League team, yeah. I think that'll definitely happen. Like, yeah, like I was saying earlier, there's going to be a case where someone plays at one and the other team plays at seven. There's going to be obviously a very tight schedule that day. Okay. You guys come in at 11 a.m. Batting practice at 1130. You're in your clubhouses. You're full go at one. Second that game ends, you have to leave the premise. These two teams have to come in. You know, Frontier League team gets the clubhouse. You know, make sure that, you know, you're taking all your belongings with you. It's going to be a very tight and a very fast transition schedule. And there are going to be some different things that happen. We may have to make some, you know, makeshift clubhouses or, you know, make sure that everybody's got, you know, a place to change or whatnot. But those days where there is a cross-league doubleheader, it, there's going to be a lot of attention operationally. Uh, thoughts on promoting it? as an event. So promoting the cross league doubleheader as an event. Yeah. Like this is the greatest thing ever. Come and see two games, two different. Oh, absolutely. Leagues. No I mean, doubt. it's almost, it's almost, uh, you know, like final four, like, or whatever. I think, I think there's a definite opportunity to sell both teams as an opportunity sell. Hey, come to the rocks. You're going to enjoy a quality outing of nine innings, college baseball. These kids play D one ball when you're done. Hey, maybe for six bucks more buy our package deal and you get to see the frontier league team play. And these guys are throwing 90 plus miles an hour in an MLB funded league. I think there's opportunity to sell them both and to see the two different styles of baseball clash with each other. And it's going to give fans a real taste of both markets and what we're trying to promote. It's two different styles of baseball but both styles of baseball are going to seriously help positively benefit this community. Uh, any thoughts to having synergy with the voice of the team? Cause you wouldn't want fans to be overly confused that you got one guy announcing the rocks and the other guy announcing the no names. So this is, a are you trying question. to point me there, Dave, or are you talking, <laughs> you're talking about Brett doing the play by play? I think, I think we're gonna helping you out, man. Oh, are we saying we should just boot Paul from both teams and just oh have boy, one? look no. what you've done. This one's right up my alley. I have put a lot of thought into this. Obviously, over eighty games is a lot to put on one person in a summer. MLB pros do it all the time, and that's a full-time job. My goal is to help build a. I don't want to say a fused broadcast team, but a team where people know, okay, we're operating both teams. You're going to see all of us on every single game. It may not be, hey, I'm play-by-play all 84 games, but hey, I hire the supervisor. He's phenomenal. It's going to be a 60-40 type deal. You're going to hear him on the voice sometimes as the B team. I might come on as the A team and call the majority of the games. I don't want to put that weight and stress, especially on college students, and on people who are developing in this industry right away, I want to help lean people into it and help make sure that we're a unified team and, and that's known to the public. Right. While we're while we're talking about your your program there, why don't we talk a little bit about what you do for Dean College? Because that's a really impressive program right there. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm still a senior at Dean. I'm actually in my, you know, my apartment right now. Um I 
run the sports station here. I'm the sports director for WGAO. We help schedule all the athletic events for Dean and their radio broadcasts. Uh, I also run the news station here, Dean News Network. Um, we help promote a lot of the content here on campus. And that's in addition to my job, the Liberty Sports Group and these two ball clubs. I work with the Providence Bruins as well, doing a handful of their stuff. Paul's seen me around. He's, you know, way too much of a familiar face at, at the end. So uh, I juggle a lot of hats. We get it done and we get the best quality product out there. And uh, that's that's just a little small little taste in, in what I do. Yeah, so we've had a lot of uh, guests over the years. We've been doing this podcast for six years now, and and every once in a while, somebody comes along and makes us all feel very, very old. But Brett, you may be the youngest guest we've had on the show, despite really? despite your resume. You, yeah, if you're just a senior in college, and and like you said, you do the rocks, you're doing the new team, you're the director of communications for Liberty, you do the Providence Bruins as well. You're everywhere, man, and your crew. You have this entire crew that you run all summer all entirely of interns and college students. It was really incredible to watch them grow. And especially the kids who came back for a second season this year. I agree. And and that was my goal. Some people came back for a second year and I had given them goals and expectations moving into that year. Hey, you did this really well last summer. I need you to focus on these points to really take your skill and your expertise to that next level. Perfect example. And if he's listening, phenomenal. Chris Costich. <laughs> Chris was our producer last year and elevated into a broadcast role because that's what he really wants to do. And that's what he studied at college. I said, hey, listen, I watched your demo reel. You've got some really good stuff. Here's what I need you to focus on this summer. And he did. He took that to heart. He watched his own film every day and he improved. And it was amazing to see him grow. My production assistants who were camera, the same deal. My producer, Sydney, same deal. I'm really hoping that's the same case with both teams this summer. And my goal, and I've told everybody this, is to make sure we're producing a great product, but people are taking away something and learning what takes what what goes into this on a day to day process. And what's crazy when I walk in the press box and I think I could take any three of you, add your ages together, and we're the same. That's, <laughs> that's just nuts to me. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Many years ago, I was the twenty year old doing doing the same thing. So this is very true. Yeah, and twenty some years ago, I was trying to to do all those different jobs and make money off of them, and and realize some of that. You see, I I wish I can go back in time and do a lot of this while I was still in college. You know, put in some uh, extra work here and there. If you can make some money, great. I, I don't know what you get paid for all these different gigs, but yeah, you just gotta kind of hustle, and you know, hopefully things work out in the future. So, little little easier to say now with uh you know hindsight but yeah work hard work your butt off right now while you're young because when you get old like us <laughs> you, you hurt yourself getting out of bed sometimes you got a little backache or your knee mark, hurts when it rains you know it's odd I, i've already started let's, going let's to the be, let's be fair mark adjusted. like i don't know if that's a bad the thing. internet was barely a thing when we were in college yeah the opportunities back in the day were not the same as they are now so yeah uh, any college kids who are listening you can get your resumes your reels out to bread shops so <laughs> get them out to me get them out to me i am i'm more than happy to listen to everything and it, you know a conversation now turns into an opportunity that's how i got this job in the first place so a conversation always turns into an opportunity how did i hook up with the rocks i think they put something on facebook they were looking for a fill-in i believe you were, 
It was Jackson. Who, it was who Jackson. It was, yeah, he just put something up and said, we're looking for a part-time <laughs> uh, fill-in PA guy. I applied. He says, have you done it before? Like, and I gave him all, you know, I gave him some uh, samples and stuff. And he said, there you go. And I've finished two seasons full-time now. I thought it was because you still needed to pay off your wedding there. <laughs> he's got he's got to get it, yeah. Should we be putting up pictures of my wedding at Campanelli Stadium? At Campanelli Stadium. Yeah. He has told me many a stories about this. There you go. Now, now, or Brett, are you, are you from the uh, New England area? I am from Taunton, which is about twenty five minutes south okay. of the stadium, so fairly okay. easy commute. Yeah, because you know, I, I, you know, growing up, we didn't, we didn't have minor league baseball until I was out, like just about out of high school in New Jersey. So, I mean, the options to work in baseball, you had to go to Philly or New York, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, within a few years, you had all these baseball teams. And I remember I would kind of try to apply for jobs and whatnot, but I didn't really, you know, hammer it home. So. You know, it's uh oh, there you is. There it is, twenty ten. Yeah, so this was our wedding. Uh, what do you call it? So not souvenir. What do you call the thing you give out to everybody at a wedding? Memento. Memento. Yeah. So we had baseballs because we got married. They, had a baseball. they all throw the first pitch. We did. Oh, we, I got a good story ball. if we need something at the end of the show. Yeah. Okay. We've been looking <laughs> forward to it. Yeah. So I guess telling all all the you know the kids who are interested in uh you know working in in professional sports you know just uh just. Email, ask questions, let people know, and you'll be surprised what you can pick up. Even the guys who are a little bit older and just need a part-time gig. You never know what they're looking for. That's exactly hey, it. You're absolutely right, Mark, because, uh, yeah, I started with one one uh, volunteer day with the Boston Pride, which turned into a, a job there, which turned into uh, UMass Dartmouth, which turned into the Rockton Rocks, which turned into Brown University, which has turned into Providence College. Gee, many Christmas you got a monopoly. It's, it's amazing how how fast things can grow. Yeah, we we need a, we need another team out here in Indianapolis, like a summer collegiate team, you know, because <laughs> the just some other opportunities. So I don't know. Maybe the Pacers are looking for somebody. I've been out to Indianapolis, and I will tell you, baseball is in dire need there. Besides AAA no. to the Pirates. Yes, yes, I've had that conversation with many a people uh, putting a, a team in the northern suburbs or you know, somewhere at, at a makeshift stadium, but it's, uh, I, I'm talking to people. I don't know if they're listening though. <laughs> I, I have been to a lodge major, a lot of major cities and I will tell you right now, Indianapolis will always be one of my favorites. No, oh, it is. Bloody. It is the best experience you can get of a big city feel at a small town price. Yes. I yes, think so a lot I of went people to, say. I went to like three or four different restaurants and I was astonished about how cheap it was. Like I thought I'd be going into this very yeah. nice Italian restaurant. I'd be paying 150 bucks for a meal. I walk out paying no. 65 dollars between myself and my partner that I was working with that week. I mean, oh, wow. it's phenomenal. Did you did you go to St. Elmo's and have the shrimp? I was going to say you didn't go. To that's St. exactly Elmo's. where I went. Oh. Okay, that that that's our that's our Tony's uh, restaurant in town. Yep, I I was working the NFL Combine that weekend at Lucas Oil, oh, and now that, okay. that's where we stumbled upon. Yeah, no, they got the got that spicy uh, cocktail sauce which you can buy at the supermarket as well. It's who clears up your sinuses in an instant. Yeah, well, we'll get you some bottles. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Totally down. So, uh, Brett, since we're since we are the Stadium Journey podcast, let's spend the last few minutes of of this podcast talking about uh, some of your travels or some of the best places you've been. Let's talk about the Frontier League for a second because that's really geographically. One, I, it might be the biggest footprint of all the independent leagues. There's 16 teams as far west as St. Louis, as far north as Quebec City, far east as well, Brockton now. So, 
So they stretch to St. Louis and Chicago. We mm-hmm. go as far north as Quebec and Ottawa. Um, Quebec and Ottawa, the two Canadian teams. And Trois-Rivières. What, Trois-Rivières? Yep. Yes. There's New Jersey. We have a whole bunch of... New Jersey of- just moved into a historic Hinchcliffe Stadium this year. You got yep. the Florence Yalls right outside of Cincinnati. The Joliet Slammers, one of my favorite ballparks. The Schomburg there, I still have to do my digging and my research on, on where I'm actually traveling because I'm going to a bunch of different spots this summer. That's what uh, Stadium Journey is for, Brett. Give me a call. Yes. Hell yeah. I have been, I, there's 16, team, 16 ballparks in the league. I have been to 14 of them. Yeah, I've been to 12. I think I think we have them all reviewed. I don't, right? We, we all we have the Canadian ones as well now? I filled in the holes this summer, yes. Nice, nice. I did, yeah, I did Florence. I've done uh, Gateway. I've done Joliet, Evansville. I'm dying to go to Ottawa. I, I always loved the city of Ottawa. I'm a casual Senators fan. I, I need to make my way to Ottawa and at least has, watch the Titans play. Has that sentence ever been said in, before? I am a casual Senators fan. Well, you know. On the back of my laptop, you can't really see it, but there is a uh, there's a sticker that says, in Tim Stutzler, we trust. I'm a huge Tim Stutzler fan, German-born hockey. Love German hockey. And uh, that, that's why I'm a casual Senators fan. I root for Stutz. So, yes, yeah, some very interesting ballparks in um, in the Frontier League. Quebec and Trois-Rivières are carbon copies of each other. Yes. Built in the 30s. Uh, very old-looking, but very fun parks. You've got Windy City. Um, you said uh, Mr. Stadium. one of the orders. Yeah, owners of, of that team. It's a half a stadium. They built it, for yeah. some reason, they built it directly under power lines. So, <laughs> you've got the the uh, the seating bowl, and you've got the upper decks only on the third base side. Because on the first base side, there's power lines that run across. Mm-hmm. And, and they tailgate. People tailgate before games, which is kind of cool to see at that level of baseball. And the parking's free. So nice kid zone. Um, Evansville's in the league. That's very, it's a classic older park. Is that right? That's one of the two league, New York Boulders. One of the two I've been to. New York Boulders, one of my favorite minor league ballparks. It's been a while. Yeah, Bosley Field's the third oldest ballpark in pro baseball. If that was in a city instead of out in the middle of the woods, it'd be one of the best minor league ballparks anywhere. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of great places to go. A lot, a lot of great road trips next year for you. Brent. Yeah. I am very excited. Yeah, and Joliet. <laughs> uh, Joliet Slammers had had a blast there. To, that's in the middle of Joliet. It blends in with the city. And yeah. it's one of those ballparks where adults have fun. I feel like it's geared towards uh, an adult crowd. Nothing X-rated, but okay, you know, it's like they have this open bar uh, that is behind. Uh, it's, it's on the yeah. – it's on main course. It's behind the plate. They got great local beers. Unfortunately, the girl with the purple hair is no longer there. That was uh, the first thing you asked me when I went there last <laughs> summer. Is the bartender with the purple hair still there? You know what? People remember her, but they don't know her name. They don't know what they said she was there last year. Other people say she wasn't. So it, it, we're looking for you. We want to know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, honey? Never. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah mark will not talk about a girlfriend but you will talk about a bartender now yeah so mm-hmm. so brett um some of the places you've seen in your travels what are some of your favorite destinations some of your favorite Man. stadiums let's think um i have been a huge proponent of nationals park i like nationals park personally um when i went on my my stadium tour 
a few summers ago. I went to Myrtle Beach where the Myrtle Beach Pelicans play. That was a fun experience. Um, as far as hockey goes, uh, I have been to TD Garden. I have been to Madison Square Garden. Man, I really got to start thinking into my rabbit hole. A lot of the places that I've been have been baseball because I grew up baseball for right. so long. My brother played baseball. He still does. He plays for Colby Sawyer in the GNAC, which ironically is playing Dean. Um, so what was it called? That's what it was. Ironically enough, the coolest place that I haven't, that I've been to that just unique, I guess it's not necessarily a stadium, but a collection of fields in Myrtle beach. There is a place called the Ripken experience. It is a eight field complex and it stretches a couple hundred acres and you walk in and the coolest part about the complex is each field is shaped like a historical ballpark. So you walk in and immediately to your front is Ebbets field. You walk down the right, there's Shea stadium there's old Fenway Park where there's no green monster seating. It's literally just a monster wall. Um, Polo Grounds is it has the huge horseshoe shape oh, wow. and the way back right. Um, it, there's a ton of different like historical, you know, meanings and shapes to the to the complex. And I thought it was really cool because all of these kids that are 15 and 16 playing tournaments here, you know, are hitting gap shots into the middle of polo grounds and what should just be a stand-up double is now an inside the park home run. And I thought it was really cool to experience it that way from a, from a different perspective. That is great. I guess that must be a hallmark of the Ripken uh, league because they've got the same thing in Aberdeen. They do. They yeah. do do the same thing. I think that's just a, like a Cal Ripken yeah. thing. I don't know. Yeah. Which is awesome. Does, but... I agree with you. That's, that's really cool. I mean, yeah, you're, you live in New England like I do. So, you know, like at least there's at least one mini wiffle ball Fenway park. In every town in New England, every town in New England, I had one at one point. In I had Cincinnati, there's a plywood and built one. That's fun, and you do the snow fence around it. Absolutely. Um, oh, I had a question. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we mentioned you mentioned real quickly that you also do uh, some play by play for the Providence Bruins. I do. So this will be my second full season uh, as one of the play by play voices of the Bruins. It's myself and Austin Rook. Um, who do the 50-50 split. That's a fun one. Hockey's always been my favorite sport. I know I work and grew up in baseball. But myself, I have been a hockey fan through it and throughout. Um, I always grew up watching the Bruins, but I'm a huge Golden Knights fan. We literally open up in two hours. Uh, I will be wearing my Mark Stone jersey, watching the banner be hoisted at T-Mobile Arena. But off of that note, I sort of... Again, ran into a conversation with somebody in Providence, and one thing led to a next. I filled in for a game. One game turned into three games. Three games turned into half a season. And now I'm in my second full year with, with Providence. And it's really cool because you get to meet some faces that are far north as Toronto. You get to meet some faces down south as Charlotte and with Jacksonville. Um, you get to meet some people who are obviously in, in the central part of the country, a lot of different faces, a lot of different places, and it is an extremely highly competitive environment. And that's what I love about the Bruins so much is that it's such a tight ship and they really run it to the best of their ability. It's my favorite place. I love going to the Amp every Friday. Yeah, we start up this Friday, actually. So 
You better be there, Paul. I'm going to be looking for you down behind the behind you, the ice. You know where you know where to find me, Brad. I'm right behind the net. <laughs> been, I've been there for 30 years, so this will be 30. It's a good years. roster this year. We got a really young roster. Mason Lowry starting in Boston. He won't be there for long. It's all right, uh, um, guys. Anything else before we wrap no, up today? No, I, I think I'm pretty good. All right. So, uh, Brett, before we let you go, do you want to take a minute and either? Plug yourself, your social media presence, or the the team. Uh, highlight the where people can find the name the name the new team contest and so forth. Yeah, be sure to stay tuned at you know New England Professional Baseball We're going to be naming you know the team throughout the rest of the fall and into the winter. So be sure to submit your team name. You may be picked, and you can win season tickets for the year. Um, be sure to check out my social media as well at Brett Shavs. My ex is at Shavs Brett. It's backwards. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun this summer, a lot of fun in Providence this year. Looking forward to it. It's gonna be a busy schedule. It's gonna be a lot of work. That sounded really weird. My ex. What? <laughs> I can't. I Mark was the only the one on this podcast X, that talked about exes. <laughs> my, my ex app, not not my, my ex. ex. <laughs> my my ex app. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm not the only one. Oh, so I didn't talk about an ex this time. Just no, you didn't. Just just never mind remarkable yeah don't put your foot in your mouth now mark you made it to the end yeah so uh, thanks everyone for joining us and brett thanks once again for coming on and uh we can't wait to see what happens in uh, southeastern massachusetts it's been a long time coming this team has been rumored to be coming since like you said they were in the uh, can-am league their last season was 2011 when they went to the futures league it was supposed to be for one year while they straightened out their finances what's that now 15 years later 12 13 years, years later we're there. We, they made it. <clears throat> so, uh, Dan, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, you can follow me being. Can you hear me? There it is. Yeah. You can follow me. Be you can follow me being um, sexually harassed and attacked uh, online in my DMs by some stranger with a Marilyn Monroe pictures avatar at Dan Law eighty three. I'm not kidding. Well, we'll uh, have this conversation off air because that. Oh like sure. Act- <laughs> oh yeah, actively happening as we speak, and he's a dummy. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. uh, Mark, um, in the two weeks before we get together again, where are you headed? Any stadium journeys, and where can our listeners follow you? Uh, stadium journeys, uh, Southern Illinois Salukis. We're going to finally uh, update that review. Uh, that I think 2012 was the last time we we went down there. Correct? It's been a while. So a little Saluki's uh, football coming up. And then I have the Pacers fan jam this Saturday. They're going to have a bunch of people come out and take part in some events at the, uh, they open up a new outdoor pavilion uh, by the, by the arena. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, That's going to be part of the all-star game festivities this year. And I'm thinking anywhere else I'm I'm going. Those are only two things I I, I know. I know I'm doing some junior hockey in November, uh, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, but we'll be back before that. But yeah, Ballpark Hunter on uh, Stadium Journey. I'm sorry, you can follow my articles on Stadium Journey. Um, you can also check me out on Ballpark Hunter on Twitter and on uh, YouTube, close to 5,000 subscribers. So check me out there if you want to see some cool clips of uh, your favorite sports stadiums. From Get around some North of those America. subscribers to follow us over here at Stadium Journey, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> if, if, if you know, if you... 
those shorts bring in a lot and, and one of my shorts went viral. So that's part of the reason those subscriptions are coming. But anybody who goes to a, a sporting event, just uh, send me a clip of the venue, like 15 seconds and I'll post it. I'll post it. I haven't been getting a lot, but I'll do it. I'll do it for the stadium journey site. Dave, where are you headed and where can our listeners follow your adventures? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Yes, I still call it Twitter. Uh, Threads, YouTube, at Profan9. We're doing a little bit of a a hockey season starting. It's a little bit of a, hey, wake up. Come and check out our our episodes of Obstructed Views again. So uh, today, actually, as we speak, I believe the Penguins are are starting. So that that might be a good good spot to check out. uh, I don't know. I'm watching Tampa Bay beat Nashville. Four to three, 12 seconds left. Okay. Uh, but other than that, uh, Will for Laurier Golden Hawks, uh, we are having a stellar football season. We're 6-0, and ranked number four in the country. So that continues. And uh, OUA hockey fires up. So I've got uh, some Laurier hockey and then probably some Guelph Griffins hockey as well. But yeah, follow me, Profan9. All right. And for me, I'm in that last sweet spot of the last few weeks of fall sports before the winter sports kick in and I get crazy busy with my PA duties. Um, I got the Providence Bruins, like Brett was saying, they start up Friday night opening night. I almost said at the dunk at the amp. The amp just doesn't have the same pizzazz to it that the dunk does. Not yet. Anyway, it'll take a while. There's still people who call it the civic center. So you got that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see Saturday. I'm behind the mic at Schneider arena in Providence for some women's hockey next weekend. I think I'm calling some Brown volleyball. And uh, then UMass Dartmouth football on Saturday. So a lot, lot of uh, chances to to hear my silky smooth voice. So, uh, you can follow all my stadium journeys on Twitter or Instagram at PuckmanRI. And remember, you can find all of our stadium reviews, news items, and other feature stories on the mothership, stadiumjourney.com. Connect with us on our social media channels at Stadium Journey. For audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast, search HIAC Talk Radio network wherever you look for your favorite podcast if you'd like to watch video simulcast of the podcast check out stadium journeys youtube page and live streams happen every other tuesday night at 7 eastern at danlaw.tv uh we'll be back in two weeks uh that brings us to what october 22nd wow this year is flying by <laughs> our year-end episodes coming up i always love that one um in two weeks we will most likely be joined he doesn't know it yet but he's usually watching so uh lloyd brown You're coming on with us to talk some FCS football. Uh, As always, thanks everyone for your support. And thanks, Brett, for joining us. For Dan, Mark, and Dave, this is Paul wishing you safe stadium journeys and close games wherever you go. Hope to see you on the road real soon. Be safe out there. Be nice.